Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, a big-name U.S. investor gets arrested in Russia and the new way that Siri plans to compete with Alexa. But first, socialism versus freedom. Okay, now, those things don't actually necessarily have to be in conflict with one another, but it is the dichotomy that a lot of Republicans want to solidify ahead of the 2020 elections. Now, Democrats recaptured the House largely on the backs of relatively centrist candidates, but almost all of the buzz media attention has gone to progressives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, mainly because they're charismatic and unapologetically offering a political message that Americans haven't heard since, well, probably since before most Americans were born. Now, Republicans realize this and believe they can use things like Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal, which focuses on both climate change and income inequality, as something to hang around Democrats' necks. Again, the message is these are socialists. Plus, Republicans believe it only bolsters their case when Kamala Harris talks about free health care for all and Elizabeth Warren talks about free child care and Bernie Sanders today reenters the race with his proposal for free four-year college. Now, most of these candidates, with the exception of Sanders, actually reject the socialist identification. But that's a detail that will not make the GOP ad buys or the primetime Fox News segments. Trump will be capitalism in 2020, largely unfettered and quote unquote free, contrasting himself to so-called socialists. That's the playbook. The question now is if it's a winning strategy or if American voters have moved on and are again ready for a pretty fundamental change. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios executive editor Mike Allen. But first, this. Axios chief technology correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. We're joined now by Axios executive editor Mike Allen. So, Mike, let's start. The news of today is Bernie Sanders re-entering the race. And I'm curious, from your perspective, is there room for him in this race when kind of his messages from the last campaign seem to have been taken by a lot of the other folks who have already declared? Now, that's a very astute point. He's succeeded himself out of a lane, you would say. As I talked to various Democrats today, they say that his appeal right now to non-white voters is low. And when there are other liberals who can take that lane, it's going to be really hard for him. Text of one person I said, so is this vanity or fundraising or what? And they said delusion that he can win. And that delusion, of course, extends to some of uh, his Bernie's band. Whenever you see a bunch of people on one side of kind of a political spectrum running for the same office, the tendency is for them to move further and further to that side. So are, from your perspective, are we going to see the Democratic field, at least kind of the Warren, the Harris, the Sanders wing, get more and more liberal and go more towards this socialist label, even though everyone other than Bernie doesn't like the label? Well, the rewards have been in that direction. And if we had had this conversation a week ago, I would have said yes, 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 yes. The reason I'm going to temper that this time, and it remains true that the excitement, the media coverage, the funding, the key political support, all that on uh, the Democratic side remains with liberals and with the left. But there is also a recognition that they're maybe falling into a trap by Republicans. So you had this fascinating exchange by Senator Eamon Klobuchar of Minnesota, who has been written about by David Leonhard of the New York Times and others as someone who might be the kind of Democrat who could tap in to some of the Trump country. She was asked in a CNN Tom meeting in Manchester, are you for free college for all? And of course, that's a Bernie signature. He 
pushed a big in the midterms. And the student who was asking the question on CNN said, give me a yes or no answer. And she didn't at first, but eventually Amy Klobuchar did something that politicians rarely do. What do you think that was, Dan? She said no. Well, she yeah, she gave a yes or no answer, which is the unusual part. And then she said, no, I'm not for college for all. And she explained that in part because of the spending by the Trump administration, we have to make some choices. And Don Lemon, the moderator, interjected and said, you know who you are on a college campus. And she said, I do, but I have to tell the truth. And I think that line is going to do a lot for her. The audience burst into applause. Twitter loved it. And in this early attention-seeking phase, when you just rattled off a number of the big names and there are even more, like that's going to do her in good stead. So let's talk a little bit about what you and, and Jonathan Swan wrote about this morning, the socialism versus freedom concept that the Republicans think they're going to be able to use kind of as a wedge with American voters. From your perspective, are they right? In other words, is socialism still the boogeyman that it would have been if we were having this conversation 20 or certainly 30 or 40 years ago? Well, I can tell you that Republicans are giddy about the fact that this is the topic. Because putting aside how it's going to play out, and we'll get to that in a second, but they're looking at a field that where they can play offense and where they think they can win. So this is the first time since at least the midterms, and to be honest, a long time before that, since Republicans felt like they were on the offense. If you think about the conversation they've had about the anti-abortion bills, the Born Live bills, if you think about some of the controversies that have broken out in the Democratic 2020 field. I had breakfast at Pete Steiner on Capitol Hill with a House Republican operative the other day, and they said that they were pinching themselves. They're like, I can't believe it. We're actually on offense. Do you think they're right, though, or do you think they're on offense for an issue that's antiquated? Well, it was a very smart frame, at least in the short term, for President Trump and the State of the Union, who busted out the freedom versus socialism frame. It was a big applause line, and it did let his people off the mat, did give his people something to talk about. But as you suggest in your question, and as Jonathan Swan very wisely pointed out to me when I texted this, that it was much more resonant in another era, right? It was much more resonant with our parents who had more of a memory of the Cold War. You look at the millennial voters, the young voters who are going to be out working for these candidates, generating excitement for these candidates. Two things. One, voters in general want changes to the economic system and are not all in with capitalism. A very fascinating Axios survey monkey poll, 70% of voters want some changes, some reform to the economic system and would be excited about a candidate who was talking about reforming the economic system. And more than half, Dan, like the idea of fixing capitalism. So the rise of socialism, especially, and then you break it out, your younger voters, of course, it goes off the charts. The perception, at least, of Trump's campaign in, in 16 was this populism message, but the stuff you're talking about, those survey results, that's populism, kind of the other side of the populist coin. So we, we could see kind of capitalist populism versus socialist populism in this race and see which one wins because Trump's still going to try to tap into that. He almost might try to almost run to the left of some of this. Populism, uh, I guess you could say, that's right, Dan. And, th and this is one of the paradoxes or this is a dilemma for Trump, that if you accept as we do, and you and I have talked about this before, if you accept the idea of Trump as the symptom that a lot of these deep forces in American society predated Trump. And here's the important point that people don't appreciate will outlast him for sure. If you think about it that way, if you think about their concerns about automation, if you think about their concerns about foreign wars, if you think about a lot of the concerns in deep red Trump country, none of those have been alleviated in this term and probably couldn't have been, or a lot of them couldn't have been. If you're worried about automation taking your job, that worry is even more acute today than it was in November 2016. That's why, as you just suggested, President Trump is going to have to think 
think creatively about some of these issues if he's going to be able to keep the hold on the voters uh, that he got last time. Thanks to Mike Allen, executive editor of Axios. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the surprising arrest in Russia of Mike Calvi, a U.S. citizen who for the past 25 years has run a Moscow-based venture capital and private equity firm called Bering Vostok Capital Partners. Now, why it matters to Calvi is obvious. He's in a solitary jail cell and facing years there. But why it matters beyond that is it's got to terrify any Western investor from doing business in Russia, at least for now. Given that Calvi is being charged with what almost any U.S. court would, at least initially, view as a civil shareholder dispute, not a criminal one. Russia is already having trouble attracting foreign investment, and this will only make that well run drier. Finally, Axios reported on Friday that Apple has bought a Silicon Valley startup called Polestring, which was founded by former Pixar executives and is best known for creating voice apps for toys like 2015's Hello Barbie. Now, Apple probably isn't too interested in Barbie, but this acquisition does reflect how Silicon Valley views voice as one of the next big things and how Apple has been way behind both Google and Amazon in terms of adoption and being open to developers. Or put another way, Polestring is a lifeline for Siri. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great National Chocolate Mint Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.